Hello and welcome back to the show. This is Coach Man. We had a very interesting week in football. From the Super Cup to Germany, moving on to Italy, Premier League, and Serie A. There was quite a few quite a few surprises this week and let's just start talking about the UEFA Super Cup and uh, the encounter in between Bayern Munich and Sevilla. Now Bayern came in after an 8-0 win against Schalke in the Bundesliga. I mean that was a phenomenal game. They've been scoring a ton of goals recently and I was expecting them to do so against Sevilla as well. Sevilla don't get me wrong, they're no slouch. They're used to these type of finals, especially in the last few years. And I was expecting a ton of goals, which did not happen. Uh, for 90 minutes, the score was 1-1. And then Bayern managed to pull one in in the 104th minute with the help of Javi Martinez, who had just came on. So let's just talk about the formation that Bayern decided to go with for this particular game and we'll see how uh, it relates to the result. So this was the first game without Thiago in the middle of the pack. As we all know, he got transferred and um, it looks like Coach Flick decided to put in Hakimi, I, I mean, uh, excuse me, Kimmich and Pavard in a formula that would replace Diago. So Bayern Munich started with Neuer in goal, Pavard, Sule, Alaba, Lucas, Goretzka, Kimmich, Gnabry, Müller, and Sané, and up front the big man Lewandowski. On the other side, Sevilla started with Bono, Navas, Conde, Diego, Escudero, Jordan, Fernando, Rakitic, Suso, De Jong, and Ocampos. Let's highlight some of the really good performances that um, both teams had and some of the key players. So first of all, I think the MVP of the Super Cup was Neuer. They uh, said that Mueller was the MVP, but honestly, uh, Neuer had a couple of tremendous saves again. In my opinion, he's the best goalkeeper at the moment out there. Nobody can even come close to him. And we'll analyze uh, Bayern in the loss with Hoffenheim as well and, and how how big of a component is Neuer. And this guy's absolutely great. He makes some saves with his feet. He's he's just like an octopus in goal. And at, at the moment, I, I really don't see anybody else being better than this guy. He's in top form. Although, you know, when your defenders make a lot of mistakes, it's pretty hard to defend against. But... This guy is is close to perfect when it comes to being in goal. He's a good keeper sweeper, uh, really good saves, really good awareness. We can uh, we can actually talk about you know the saves that he does one on one. He's absolutely spectacular. Like in in the Super Cup, he had two occasions one on one situations where he just it made it look so simple. But I guarantee you that nine out of ten keep uh, nine out of ten keepers wouldn't have got to the ball but this guy has like a third sense and knows before the striker does where the ball is going to go and he goes towards that direction and he manages to get on time every single time it's it's pretty remarkable what this guy does um another key player in um in uh, Bayern Munich is of course Müller who is kind of like a ghost he's there he's not there but he he does a lot of things off the ball that you have to really pay attention to because this guy is so smart, he can link up the play in between the midfield 
and a striker. He goes in with one twos, plays off Lewandowski, plays him uh, into position. He's really, really good. What I noticed about this game in particular is that sometimes you felt like there was something missing in the middle of the pack. And I'm and I'm talking about Thiago here. Um, great, great, phenomenal player. Tremendous creativity, tremendous vision that manages not only to keep the ball when he needs to keep the ball, but he also sees the game like nobody else. Um, even in the game against uh, Barcelona, that A2 win, he came in with an over-the-top pass that was pretty much... I mean, <laughs> this guy is, is incredible. His vision of the game is second to none. And you could see at times that, you know, Thiago wasn't there. And uh, Goretzka, of course, he did score in a in a Super Cup. Don't get me wrong, but he's he's a different player than Thiago. Much, much more different. Of course, uh, Goretzka, what a tremendous player he, he has been, in, especially in the last season here and his physical transformation that everybody talked about. Uh, he came in uh, jacked up, <laughs> jacked up, completely jacked up. Like his physique just exploded. If you if you look at some of the pictures online, um, you'll see that he had worked a ton in the offseason to improve his his uh, just strength in general. And he he looks like a very, very solid player. Nonetheless, Flick often now that he doesn't have Thiago, uh, he'll go to to a pair in, in between Kimmich and Goretzka or Kimmich and um, um, Kimmich and um, Tolisso. That's right, Tolisso. So is Tolisso the next or can he replace Thiago? I don't think so. Absolutely not. Um, not the same player. But then again, in my opinion, Kimmich is really good on the wing as well. Uh, instead of a Pavard, you can play him with Kimmich, and then you would play Thiago in there originally because Kimmich has some tremendous crossing abilities that Pavard doesn't have. But then again, who would you trust more in a situation to be uh to 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 be in attack, create chances, but also track back? Is in between Kimmich and Tolisso, you would go with Kimmich, of course, the much more experienced player. Um. He can really, really put in a long ball if he needs to. He always tracks back. Overall, tremendous player. So in this game in particular, Gnabry failed to impress. Uh, he had a few chances, but he lost the ball so many times. Um, quite a few mistakes from, from Gnabry, to be honest with you. Sané in the second half was starting to have a really, uh, a really good rhythm until he got um, replaced by uh, Tolisso. Yeah, it was Tolisso, I believe. It was Tolisso, yes. Yes, and uh, Dion Goretzka got replaced by Davies. Um, I was a little bit surprised that Davies didn't start this game, but he came in as a sub, and he did pretty well. He did pretty well. Overall, uh, this result uh, in the Super Cup, Bayern always felt like the team that we're going to make something happen. And let's highlight some of the key players in Sevilla. Uh, number one, of course, Ocampos. This guy had uh, put everything that he had in this game. He was attacking. He was defending. He held the ball very well. 
He was dribbling. He did pretty much everything that you wanted him to do. He was fearless out there, uh, really wanted to win. And of course, another player that really wanted to win from, from Sevilla is the veteran, Jesus Navas, who put in a tremendous performance. What a what a great player. He's a veteran of the game, but he put in a really, really good performance. He was uh he was very involved in, in the attacking phase as well, trying to put in uh in, in play the young who had a not a great game. Of course, uh let's talk about Rakitic and his first performance in a Sevilla t shirt. Rakitic started the game and uh guess what? His performance drew a penalty from which Ocampo scored. So there you go. Rakitic, first start, draws a penalty, Ocampo scores. That was Sevilla's goal. Uh, I think he had a very solid performance. Rakitic, of course, he's he's a phenomenal, phenomenal player. Really creative. Um, very fluid in the middle of the pack. He always, always is on the move, which helps you a lot when you try to build something off it. Uh, he had a really good uh, he had a really good game. Now let's talk about some of the substitutions that were made by Sevilla, uh, replacing Luke Dion with uh, N Nesri. He proved to be dangerous. He had a, a few really good chances, one on one situations with Neuer, in which uh, Neuer got the upper hand and. It's not because Nesri didn't didn't shoot well or he he missed those chances. It's because just Neuer is is at a different level when when you're talking about goalkeepers. He's just tremendous. Uh, now Rakitic was replaced by Oliver Torres, who, in all honesty, um, I don't think it was the greatest idea when you look at Oliver Torres's performance. It was very lacustre. Uh, not very present in the game. I think Rakitic, in theory, should have had the stamina to go all the way to the 120th minute. Uh, but, yeah, Oliver Torres, once he came in in a 56th minute, yeah, 56th minute, he was pretty much inexistent. He didn't contribute with absolutely nothing. Um, and talking about <laughs> really good subs, let's talk about... Uh, Javi Martinez, who just came in and first shot on goal after a corner kick. Uh, really vicious header, beautiful header in the top left corner. Makes it 2-1 for Bayern, and that was pretty much it. Um, overall performance of Bayern Munich, they did a much better job than Sevilla in, in keeping the ball. They had 64% possession. They created more chances. They appeared to be the more dangerous team. Uh, but Sevilla, don't get me wrong, Sevilla had a few really good counterattacks because Bayern would overcommit in these attacks. They really wanted to finish this this game within the 90 minutes. And they got caught on, on a couple of good occasions on a counterattack where Sevilla failed to, make, failed to make the chances pay. But of course, when you have Neuer in goal, you can actually extend yourself a little bit too thin, knowing that the big man in goal would probably save you uh, when needed. We'll stick to Bayern and uh, right after the Super Cup, Sunday the 27th of September, they played uh, against Hoffenheim. Of course, everybody were, expected for, uh, were expecting Bayern to keep on uh, going their winning ways, but we had a major, major, major surprise here. Hoffenheim defeated Bayern Munich 4-1. to
You heard that well, four to one. It was an incredible game and it wasn't as bad as it sounds actually. Let me explain. Coach Hans Flick from Bayern Munich decided to start this game with Neuer in goal, Pavard, Boateng, Alaba, Davis, Kimmich and Tolisso, Gnabry, Müller, Sané, and up front, Zerxi. If you never heard about the guy, well, he's a 19-year-old Dutch player. Uh, he comes from Bayern Munich's uh, Bayern Munich's own academy, and I'm pretty sure that he was uh, starting this game because uh, Lewandowski needed a rest. Now, on the other side, the Hoffenheim started in a 3-4-3 formation with uh, Kramerich, Dabor, and Baumgartner, the three forwards. Now, when you when you look at a score and you see 4-1, you would expect total domination from Hoffenheim. Well, <laughs> if you look at the stats, they had only 28% possession. Bayern had 72% possession. So, right then and there, you see that Hoffenheim actually had one of those days where everything that every single chance that they had, they converted. And let's start analyzing uh, their goals. First goal came in after a corner kick. It looked like, honestly, it was more like of an own goal. Bad positioning from, uh, I think it might have been Boateng that was out of position. And he'll make another mistake later on in the game. Uh, moving on, the second goal by Hafenheim, scored by De Boer. Uh, again, Boateng was out of position. They, caught, uh, they got caught on a lightning fast counterattack. Kimmich was forced to track back, but of course he didn't make it in time to stop the board from scoring. Uh, was 2-0 at that point. Kimmich in a 36 minute gets one back for Byron's superb uh, long-range effort. Uh, then Kramerich scores another two times. Uh, one time from the penalty in the 92nd minute after a, a really, really good run by the sub uh, in-house Bebu went past two Bayern defenders then he went past Neuer which fouled him inside the box uh, Kramaric stepped up to the plate delivered once more and that made it 4-1 now uh, are, is, is Bayern supposed to be panicking after losing 4-1 um, no I, I really don't think so I mean yeah they're gonna have to play against uh, Borussia in the German Super Cup but I think they'll be just fine to go back to winning ways this was a one-off to be honest with you um, the score is a little bit harsh when you look at it 4-1 but also if it wasn't for Neuer in goal it could have been easily 6-1 the defense were asleep pretty much the entire game for Byron uh, lack of concentration um, it happens. I mean, these guys have won everything that, that they could have won. And now they have a chance of winning the German Super Cup, which I'm pretty sure this performance again was one off. Um, it was meant like Coach Flick was trying to rest Lewandowski. He was trying to rest Goretzka. He was trying to rest Sule. Um, now in the Super Cup, things are going to be much more different and Let's be honest, German teams are not known for just slacking off game after game after game. They have that crushing mentality and they'll go back to their winning ways. I'm 100% uh, sure of it. But uh, Borussia Dortmund is not going to just sit there and, and take all the goals in. They're going to fight back and it's going to make a very interesting Super Cup in Germany.
Moving on. Premier League. The Prem. Well, let's just start off by uh, analyzing Brighton against Manchester United. <laughs> what an incredible game this was. And if you didn't see it, please go watch the entire game. It was absolutely insane. From, from the start to the finish, it ended up in being 2-3 to three for Manchester United. But what an incredible game. It started off... Uh, what a penalty by Malpe. He was doing the <laughs> the new crying, the new crybaby celebration at the end of it, uh, which which uh, if you play FIFA, you're very familiar with. And then uh, it was an own goal by Dunk. Then Marcus Rashford, beautiful, beautiful uh, single single effort, made it two one for Manchester United. Then in the 95th minute, Soli March comes in and scores. For Brighton, making it 2-2. And then in a 99th minute, a very, very controversial decision. Um, you know, the referee blows the whistle. And then VAR tells the referee, hey, you better look at this. There might be a handball in the box. The referee goes, take a look. And uh, <laughs> guess what? It was another penalty. And uh, Bruno Fernandes puts it in, but oh my goodness, what a ridiculous game that was. Uh, absolutely sensational, action-packed. Was it a penalty? Well, I think it was. You cannot even agree. And that that was that's a recurring theme because um, so far a lot of people has been bashing the Italian league, Serie A, by saying that, oh, they have so many penalties, this and that, and blah, 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 and they don't know what they're doing, but... I mean, you look everywhere in every single championship, it's the same thing. Same thing is happening all over the place uh, with, with these penalties. And I think it's not VAR that's the problem. It's the rule that's the problem. And they need to figure out a better rule because everything that, that touches the, the hand inside a box these days, everything is a penalty. And I don't think that's really fair for the players. I mean, how are you supposed to defend? A defender cannot run without moving his hands or when you jump to get a header in of course you're going to use your hands to get more momentum to jump even higher now there's a fine limit in between having your hand like super extended out of your body and then the ball hits your hand whether or not you look at it i don't think that should matter uh, but then again you, you have to take into consideration it's just human anatomy here uh how you're supposed to defend you <laughs> without tying your hands behind your back and being like that for 90 minutes to make sure you don't see the penalty. Um, there are situations and situations. Some situations have, prove, uh, have proven to be a little bit more clear. I think uh, in this case, Man United's penalty was fully deserved and they, they got off with a <laughs> dramatic win to say the least. But... Uh, there's a problem here. They were predicting that by the end of the Premier League, if and this is based off, of course, only two weeks of playing, but they said that they'll end up in having 88 penalties if this type of decision keeps moving on. So I think VAR like should really take a look. And this is for all championships in Spain as well. Uh, there was a, there was a problem in the Real Madrid game uh, with a VAR decision. Um, of course, in Italy, there's a lot of penalties being given as well. 
pretty much all over the world where they have VAR. It, it's it's a little bit unclear at the moment. Again, not VAR. Um, VAR is not the problem here. It's the rule that needs to be amended. And um, hopefully they can do something about this pretty soon because I, I also understand that they try to make the game a little bit more uh, entertaining and have more goals. But then again, a fan doesn't cheer as hard for a penalty than when they have a cross in a box and then the striker gets it in uh, via, you know, header or bicycle kick or something more spectacular than that. Goals that are coming in from from a collective actions are more spectacular than a penalty kick. And I do understand that, you know, they look for excitement. But then again, football is not a game uh, where you score, uh, I don't know, 10 goals, 8 goals in a game. That's very rare. And a goal is supposed to mean a lot more than just giving off these penalties like every single game, two, three penalties for just sometimes it's just silly, to be honest with you. It's just it's just silly. Uh, you can see that the defender doesn't even want to get uh, to the ball or like intentionally hit the ball with his arm. But then again, you know, when it's really close distance and the striker tries to get uh, behind the defender and he hits him in the arm, Every now and then you will see these penalties being given by VAR after a second review. And it's it's a little bit of a shame. A little bit of a shame. Moving on. Uh, Everton defeated Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace, of course, coming in after a beautiful win against Manchester United. Everton put in a really good performance. And uh, we're going to a really interesting game again. West Bromwich against Chelsea. Now, West Bromwich had a 3 zero advantage at halftime Frank Lampard was sweating on the bench I don't know what he did in at halftime but it was absolutely insane Chelsea started coming back with Mason Mount in the 55th minute then with Odoi in 70th minute and in the 93rd minute Tammy Abraham makes it 3-3 for Chelsea what a second half by Chelsea uh I was pretty Surprised that Harvitz and Werner didn't make anything happen. But uh, if they would have had another five minutes, I guarantee that Chelsea would have scored the fourth one. Really, really good game. Chelsea seemed to be, uh, I don't know, in a different plane in the first half. Totally not present. Totally not in the game. Nobody from Chelsea was was even putting in any effort. But that all changed in the second half. And I think uh, Mason Mount was the leader in this. He looked the player to be to be uh, the motivator behind everybody. You would see him off the ball just shouting, screaming, wanting to make things happen. And, of course, they saved it. They saved a huge embarrassment. Really, really good performance in a second half. And I, I, I truly believe, once again, if they would have had five more minutes, they would have got the winning goal. Moving on. Uh, Manchester City against Leicester. <laughs> 5-2, um, Leicester, what a performance by Jeremy, uh, Jamie Vardy, I'm sorry, he is the second player in the last few years that had a hat-trick against uh, Guardiola's Man City, the only other player that managed to have a hat-trick was Lionel Messi, really, really good collective performance, but then again, Jamie Vardy scoring from two penalties, um, really, really beautiful goal, James Madison with a spectacular cracker. What a shot. If you didn't see Madison's goal, please do. Uh, 
it's it's what a beautiful long range shot it was. In my opinion, the best goal of the week, James Madison with an absolutely stunning, stunning strike that made it uh, 4-1. Then uh, uh, Manchester City scored by Ake. That made it uh, 4-2. And then Yuri Tillemann scored from the penalty spot again in the 88th minute, made it 5-2 for Leicester. Incredible performance for Leicester. What can you say? I mean, amazing collective performance. They really wanted to win, and it's it's by no coincidence that I'm pretty sure they'll manage to keep it going. Moving on to the Derby, Liverpool against Arsenal. Um, just like Jurgen Klopp said in a post-game interview, it was a complete domination. 3-1, to one, um, Mane, Robertson, and Diogo Jota, the new transfer, getting on the score sheet in the 88th minute. Beautiful strike. Lacazette getting on a score sheet for Arsenal. But honestly, there was only one winner in the game, and that was going to be Liverpool. Uh, yeah, they had they had a few moments where, you know, they could have done better, but they they dominated an Arsenal that was in form. We're not talking about the Arsenal of last season that was in and out of games. Sometimes they looked like they wanted to win. Sometimes they looked like they didn't even want to be on the field. This was an in-form Arsenal. And Liverpool proved to be too much to handle once again. 3-1, an absolute dominant performance. Moving on. La Liga. Atletico Madrid against Granada. 6-1. An absolute trashing. Uh, Suarez, of course, made his debut. Uh, came in in the 71st minute. Got two goals and one assist. I think you can't wish for a more spectacular debut than that. Um... Let's talk about Suarez a little bit because uh, I've seen a lot of Barca fans just absolutely disrespecting the guy that he was too old, he was too slow. Look at his performance in the last couple of years. They dipped. But let me ask you this, Barca fans. Let me ask you this. How about Barcelona's performance? Did it dip? Oh, well, it sure did. Well, there you go. You can't be disrespecting this guy because he is one of Barcelona's legends. Like, he... He came in from Liverpool where, where he was the Prem's top scorer and he had some issues, you know, being aggressive, biting people, all of that. Very, very, very aggressive player, taking in a lot of red cards. He was known for brawling and whatnot. And he came in in Spain and something happened. Barcelona took care of him, a lot more calmer. Um, and he, he became a, a, a goal-scoring machine for the club. And his contribution to Barcelona is second to none. Uh, I don't understand why people are just so quick in criticizing the guy. And by no means, I'm a huge fan of Suarez. Don't get me wrong, but he is lethal. He can still do it. And this game in, in Madrid against Granada, I mean, obviously not a, a top-level opponent. But still, to come on in a 71st minute, score two goals, and, and get an assist is definitely no easy task, even against Granada. I think that Suarez is still... Um, is still proven, proven very useful. He's not like super old. He's not super slow. He is really good still. He still has that, that goal scoring sense that makes him unique. This guy can score from pretty much any position in the field. Um, any team that Suarez plays for will be a much better team because of this guy. 
you have uh, Diego Costa saying, I don't know why they uh, let him out of Barcelona because he's a tremendous player. <laughs> one bites, one kicks, referring to him and Suarez. Now they're going to be the devastating duo <laughs> in Atletico Madrid. It will be really funny to see if, um, if they ever get to play together at the same time because they kind of compete for the same position. But we'll see. Uh, really, really good debut from, uh, from Suarez. Moving on, Barcelona trashed Villarreal 4 to nothing. Um, Ansu Fati was by far the man of the match. What a beautiful performance. Uh, it's it, this, this kid, if you look at his stats, I've been seeing a lot of people posting Ansu Fati versus Messi the first season, and Ansu Fati has better numbers. This kid so far has been proven to be a, a really talented player. But it's all about consistency. You can't be doing spectacular things one season. That what made Messi the great player that he is and Ronaldo the great player that he is is because these two guys are consistent year in and year out. They're very professional, training really hard, and always wanting to win. Now, this kid looks phenomenal. This kid looks like he wants to do it. Uh, you look at his celebrations. He's, he's starting to get into a groove, a little bit more calm. Uh, he's not afraid of, of shooting. He's not afraid of taking a chance. Uh, even if he has a pass available, sometimes he goes for the shot and he doesn't really care about the outcome, which is a good thing. Don't get me wrong. Like you need to have the courage and especially at his age, you can't you can't be sitting in your shell uh, taking these chances over and over again. Um, not passing when you should have passed and take the chance is good for you as a youngster because it helps you develop your confidence a little bit more. And that's what Fatih does. Whenever he has a shot, he goes for it. He doesn't think about it twice. And that's what made him really dangerous. Of course, Messi, Messi's back. <laughs> Scoring from the penalty spot. He had a good game against Villarreal. Uh, nonetheless, uh, really good start for Kuman as a coach. Now, is he going to be... Um, leading Barcelona to another title and maybe some trophies this year. I'm not sure. I was a skeptic from the very beginning. If you look at Kuman's resume, it's uh, it's not impressive at all. Just to put it that way, um, was he ready for a big team like Barcelona? I don't know. If it was up to me, I would have went with somebody more experienced that has a better resume. But the same thing goes for Juventus. I mean, they appointed Pirlo, who didn't even have his coaching license. He got his coaching license four days before the Roma game. So that will make for a beautiful transition to Serie A, where, of course, Juventus played against uh, Roma. Not the best performance by Juventus. Uh, Ronaldo with two goals, one from the penalty spot and one from a beautiful header, saved them at the end but um they were lucky they were lucky to get this one point against roma who overall to be honest with you they they were the better team they were the better team and and juventus got really lucky so not a great start for Pirlo as a coach uh but post game ronaldo said a very interesting thing they said they're they're smiling when they're training again which didn't happen for quite some time so taking a uh, a dig at Sari there, their former coach. But uh, I listened to a bunch of uh, post-game interviews 
from different players and everybody seemed to to be on the same idea that we're really happy in training and we're really happy that Pilar is uh, is our coach and uh, things are looking good from that perspective but you also have to have results is Pirlo the best coach that Juventus could have hired? Well, no, and I was saying that about Sari as well. Uh, Sari won trophy in his cabinet prior to coming to Juventus, a team where he was supposed to come in and actually add the Champions League to to the trophies that they would win every single year, and which is Serie A has been going to the Juventus forever, so. That was not a problem. They almost, almost missed out on that train as well towards the end of the season. They were really lucky that Lazio dropped a few points. Um, and that 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 gave them an edge towards the end. But by <laughs> make no mistake about it, Juventus, the way they finished last season was pretty, pretty bad. If you look in Serie A, they were very inconsistent, really poor performances. There was something wrong. They... I feel they just got lucky. They just got lucky to win the Serie A because uh, Lazio could have easily, could have easily made something happen, but they they just fell off uh, at the very end. I don't know what happened to them. Uh, moving on to Napoli, they had a game against Genoa. Napoli put on a beating, six <laughs> zero. Um, scorers Lozano, of course, really good start for the guy. Uh, Zielinski, Mertens, Lozano again, Elmas, and Politano. Really, really good performance by Napoli. Um, not surprised. Not surprised. Napoli is going to be a, a, a huge, huge contender, and, and they'll definitely ask a lot of questions in Serie A this year. I mean, if you look if you look at the formation that they started with, with Mireille in goal, Di Lorenzo, Manolas, Koulibaly, Hisai, uh, Fabian, Zielinski, Lozano, Mertens, Insigne, and Osimhen up front. That that is a really good team, very very well balanced team overall. And I think they have, they they have the quality to actually uh, be a Serie A contender this year. And it will be really really interesting to see on how they measure against Juventus, how they measure against Inter, and uh, so on and so forth. I think they're they're gonna be a really good team. Moving on. Inter played Fiorentina 4 to 3 incredible incredible game again this is one of the games if you didn't see please go watch beautiful game ended up uh, with Inter scoring four goals uh Lautaro Martinez getting in the uh, score sheet together with Lukaku and D'Ambrosio uh Chegirini had a known goal for Fiorentina Kwame scored Castrovilli scored and Federico Chiesa scored as well uh with an assist from None other than Frank Ribery, a Fiorentina favorite. Uh, that was pretty much it for the Serie A. Bologna, of course, uh, defeated Parma 4-1. Really impressive performance over there. Moving on, what we have to look forward to for this week is Tottenham against Chelsea in the Carabao Cup. Now, of course, uh, <laughs> Jose Mourinho was really unhappy uh more recently with the penalties that were awarded against uh Tottenham which if you look at the replay I think it was really fair to to give that penalty I think it was uh Dyer that had his back to the ball and he was jumping in the air and his hand was super high up and and uh ball touched his arm 
VAR said, please review it. Referee went in and he gave in the penalty. But honestly, I, I think it's that's that's the way it is right now when you can't really argue about it and and, and complain too much about the rule. That was uh, pretty blatant. I, I completely understand, Jose, uh, that, you know, the, the player had his back towards the ball. He couldn't have seen the ball coming in towards his hand. But then again, his hand shouldn't have been there in the first place. Uh, they take in on Chelsea, which uh, is going to prove a very, very interesting game. Mourinho complaining about his schedule, complaining that his boys has to have to play a lot of games and not a lot of time, and you have to, at some point, do a rotation, which, of course, the clubs that have a, a, a much larger roster get to benefit out of this because they get to rotate their players and put in uh, some others that wouldn't necessarily get to play um, what else we have to look forward to on Wednesday in, uh, La Liga, you have, uh, Real Madrid playing against Valladolid, and in Serie A, you have, uh, Lazio playing Atalanta, that's gonna be a really good game, then on Thursday, you have Europa League qualification games, there's a boatload of games here that, uh, um, will be interesting to see. Of course, Tottenham is going to play Maccabi Haifa. Uh, you have that and in, uh, in La Liga. You have Celta Vigo against Barcelona. Then you have on Thursday, Liverpool against Arsenal in the EFL. Um, Liverpool just coming off uh, winning 3-1 to one against Arsenal. I think... Um, after after a dominating performance like that, you can only expect Liverpool to win their encounter. Um, Arsenal didn't seem that they they had too many options to begin with, and uh, we'll see we'll see what happens. But if they really want to get something out of that, they they have to play a lot better than they did. Uh, moving on, PSG on Friday they play against Angers. And on Saturday, we have Chelsea at Crystal Palace, Everton at Brighton, Leeds against Manchester City, Newcastle at Burnley. Uh, in Serie A, Saturday, you have uh, Udinese against uh, Roma. And then in Germany, you have Stuttgart against Bayer Leverkusen and Leipzig against Schalke. And I think that's pretty much it. Uh, on Sunday, we have Levante uh, against Real Madrid. Yep. And Manchester United against Tottenham. That will be really cool to see. Finishing off with Juventus against Napoli. That is going to be a very, very cool encounter to see how Juventus uh, faces Napoli, who just have uh, won 6 to nil. In this area, uh, it's it's uh, one for the title, of course. Whoever gets the three points here will be uh, will be having a major advantage going forward in this area. Uh, so that is all for today. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you in the next one.